I'm the man they're protecting. I'm the president. I'll kneel before you if it will save lives. It will. Starting with your own. Life goes on. Freeze all functions. <laughs> okay, party people in that house. May become preeminent. He's expected to have enthusiasm. You're gonna have to repeat enthusiasm. Be cool. You. There's one thing I almost forgot. Do you have enough? Oh, shit! 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 These violent delights. These violent ends. Hi, Mike and Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wokast, powered by Violent Money. Another week, another stacked weekend of fights, and another stacked show. Whilst the UFC are setting out their tent in Greenville with a card headlined by the Korean Zombie versus Henato Mokano in South Carolina. All eyes will be on Bellator London, headlined by Gegard Musasi versus Rafael Lovato Jr. We'll be catching content throughout the week, including Fight Night, but ahead of that, on this week's show, I'm joined by a few of the talents on that card. Walter the Sniper Gahadza, Franz Malambo and Bryony Terrell are my guests this week. Here to help me kick things off, though, is G. G, another stack weekend of fights what did you make of all of that man i I made out a lot like i really i enjoyed the bellator card i i did i I will admit that i was uh quite entertained for uh, um a bunch of reasons what did you think well for me um there were only a couple of fights i was really kind of tuning in for let's just be honest for me the card was okay. It wasn't fantastic. Bellator 222 at MSG, um, obviously headlined by uh, Rory McDonald. For me, still the welterweight champ. For me, tackling a Gracie is uh, something which um, I have to say is no mean feat. But still, I personally thought that he lacked the venom. He lacked the killer instinct. He lacked the serial killer persona that he started the game off with. Oh, and I have to say that I 100% absolutely agree with you. I was happy to see Rory pull off the win. And, you know, no easy feat. Neiman Gracie is, you know, he's the real deal. He's 9-0. He's got a bunch of submissions. Obviously, he's a Gracie. But I did notice that Rory just doesn't amp it up anymore. Like that, you know, come at you straightforward, just, you know, serial killer look in his eyes it's not really there like he's just kind of getting by and it's so funny while he was fighting Neiman Gracie I thought to myself oh the serial killer's back and then I had to dial that back because I'm like no he's not he's just not fighting the way he was when he was fighting John Finch and you're just happy but yeah I'm do I did notice that he's just not the same anymore and it makes me kind of sad it came across that this is the way it looked to me. It looked as though this was a sparring session. It was almost like, oh, oh, are you OK? And the way that he was kind of, OK, the whole thing from start to finish, it looked as though he was tentative. It looked as though he still had this mindset of, you know what, I'm not really here to hurt people, which for me is vintage Rory. That's what we liked about the Red King. That's what we admired about his go hard or go home attitude. And for me, it was still 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 missing 
Oh, of course. There's a stark difference between the Rory McDonald that came out and damn near murdered Collis Conduit in his UFC debut. And also, let's not forget the war he had with Robbie Lawler. That was one of the that's one of the best fights in the UFC. It's, it's considered a classic. And you just don't see that anymore in Rory McDonald. And let's not forget his speech after John Finch. He was talking about, you know, he's found God, he's a different man, and he just doesn't have it in him anymore. And I think the best part about Rory and what made him fight like that was because of the killer in him. So if you take that from him, we have what we have now, which is somebody that's pensive, thinking about shots, you know, not really going forward. But I was happy he pulled off the win, and I was happy. I will give Rory this. He didn't really give a fuck that this kid was a Gracie. He went down on the ground with this kid, and he defended well. I will say that. His jujitsu was on point. Like, he scared me when uh, the Gracie guy got him in that um, leg lock in round two. I, I got nervous. I was like, here we go. And then he got out of it like a G. And I thought his Brazilian jujitsu defense was, was on the money. I thought he was on point with that. But the killer instinct, it's gone. It's gone. If that is going to be the Rory McDonald that faces Douglas Lima, and remember, we've seen this already. I mean, he's going to be facing Douglas Lima in the finale, which is a rematch of a clash that we saw around about 18 months ago. If that is the Rory McDonald that we saw on Saturday night and we've seen previously in his previous fight, I think it's going to be a very, very short night. And we are going to see a Douglas Lima, um, well, resurgent champion. Yeah, and I think that's what's going on here. We're going to have Rory that's trying to make his way back into serial killer mode, but is having issues with that, maybe for whatever reasons. And then we have Douglas Lima that has no issues whatsoever with his mentality, his focus, his training, none. And here's a fun fact about Douglas Lima. He doesn't... um, He doesn't lose rematches. He hasn't lost a rematch yet. So I don't see why this would be any different. And he wants to redeem himself. He seems like he wants to run this back. He's happy that Rory won. And he's happy that Rory won because he wants to avenge (laughs) this loss. And he's on point right now. His momentum is sick. He just uh, knocked out MVP in beautiful fashion. And now he's coming for Rory. If Rory doesn't get that serial killer in him, Lima's going to smoke him. I, I, I totally agree with you on this one. See, that's my final question on, you know, this. And that is, will he look any different against Douglas Lima in the future, given what's at stake, given how far he's come? And given what we've seen so far, are we going to be looking at someone completely different when he does face Lima? I think so. I It, it could go either way. I think this could either be like a process. He could eventually get back to the serial killer ways because it seems like he has to balance Christianity with something as violent as a combat sport. And it seems to be to me, I'm interpreting this as if he's struggling with that because he has to hurt people to support himself and to fight. And then maybe with Christianity, he, it, it, it's causing issues with that. How can you hurt somebody when that goes against everything that you're studying or that you're believing in? So if, if he does get over this, that's going to take time. That is called a process. And I don't know if he has enough time to get that back to face Lima, because I believe Scott told him, Scott Coker from Bellator said he wants it done in September. I think Rory needs a bit more time to find that killer instinct in him again. Or Douglas Lima, like I said, is going to smoke him, unfortunately. And the first time they fought, it was very close. 
razor sharp. So I don't think that that's going to happen again. So we kind of need Rory to wake up here if he if he wants to win this uh, Grand Prix thing with um, <laughs> Douglas Lima. He's no joke. From one person um, on the card lacking killer instinct onto another, there was a second round TKO of Chel Sonnen that we saw ending in a retirement. Now, I have to say, he is the ultimate cult you know, ultimate company guy. He could have actually reneged on his five fight deal. He could have actually, you know, at any point um, pulled the emergency cord, but he didn't. He seemed to be very much, though, uh, a company guy, not only during his legacy, but towards the end of his legacy. Because when you look at it like this, um, I don't want to keep bringing this up, but his previous two fights, they looked as though he was giving his opponent the win. It looked as though he was handing them the win. And that, I have to say, given who he basically went up against, is the ultimate company guy, willing to put his career on the shelf, willing to put his um, fame and fortune on the shelf, because somebody else, ultimately, he'd like to see win. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you on it. I do think that um, Chael does kind of give up. And I saw it in his last couple of fights. But I didn't see it too much here. I think he really went for the gusto for this one. He tried because I saw him get a mean body shot and it affected him. But he still came forward and I was kind of proud of him for that. But I think the issue with this fight was that Chael was becoming, um, what's the word I want to use? Problematic and also predictable with the takedowns. And I think that's why Leota was so quick and it was so easy for him to time those knees to Chael's face. <laughs> it was ridiculous because Chael would go in for a uh, takedown and then he would lean to his left and then boom, here comes Leota Machida with ultimate and impeccable timing. And I think he nailed him twice. And it was pretty scary to see. I, I feel like the first time Chael looked like he almost went out on his feet, but he woke up and then, you know, Machida followed up with ground the pound. But I wasn't really surprised with how this went. I agree with you. I think that Chael kind of gives up. I feel like Chael kind of fights like he just needs a paycheck sometimes. I don't know. I don't see a sense of urgency or anything. I think he's more of a talker and a company man and a commentator more than a fighter right now. So I was happy when he put those gloves up. I like the way that he went out, though. I mean, just to quote what he said... He's fired his last bullet and he didn't basically have the grit left, basically, to be the ultimate performer, which we know him for. And I like that realisation. Um, I mean, you know, not that I'm planning these segues, but speaking of being sure of yourself, speaking of um, having a bulletproof mindset, Dylan Dennis basically picking up another win, 2-0 and o now in uh, Bellator, taking may home... I, may I interrupt and may I confess? Michael, I have a confession. Go for it. <laughs> I love Dylan Davis, even though I know he's a complete tool and a douchebag, and he's, his cringe is not, you know, triggering me, unlike some other fighters, and I love him. And at some point in the segment, we have to discuss his leopard print pants that he wore in the ring. It... <laughs> I thought I was gonna die. I um, think he's a character. I think he's a character. I think he's really good at jujitsu. But I just have to confess to you and the viewers that I think I like a cringy fighter for the first time ever. <laughs> I'm shocked and surprised, dismayed. 
I have to say, I think I might be losing you. I think this connection might be uh, disconnected real quick because you those don't know me anymore, right? <laughs> those those leopard print pants. Let's just start right there. I mean, if there were any other triggering mechanism, those pants would be it. Forget the classes. Forget the chin up in the air. Forget the you know um, cringy videos that he puts out with whoever that woman is. Now, the way that I look at it. There is just so much about this guy to hate, but no, I have to. I have to also confess there is also so much to love. Now, when you look at it, what's emerging now is his opponent was a little bit more seasoned than he let on, but yet he took his arm home. You can't beat Dylan Dennis on the ground. No, not at all. Um, I did, all jokes aside, this guy is like super legit on the ground. He's like a four-time grappling world champ. I believe he's um, Conor McGregor's jiu-jitsu coach. Like he trains with him with uh, jiu-jitsu, which is pretty impressive. Do you know what I mean? And then like this is what his second first um, his second first round submission. When it comes to the ground, you can't play with this boy. He's legit. But I will say that his stand up needs a little bit of work. You know, and I do like that Bellator is giving him appropriate opponents. I think it's nuts that, you know, he beat up a can and got up and said he was ready for John Jones and Rory McDonald when we both know that both of those men would kill him with their bare hands blindfolded, like, boo, you're not ready. You're not ready, boo. But you did a good job. But I do like that he's coming up. I'm all for progressing and letting a fighter develop. And Dylan Dennis needs to develop those hands ain't ready but i did like the ground and pound that i saw him inflict on max and um i'm, I'm impressed with his jujitsu and i here's another thing about his cringe i know we brought up his uh the panties or whatever he wore to the fight which i loved but um the reason why i like his cringe in all, all jokes aside it seems to be authentic he's not acting the guy's just like a hilarious little arrogant millennial fighter it's who he is i don't think he's like let me be this person for the camera i think dylan is being dylan and guess what i guess what i appreciate it it's authentic you know he's not doing something like oh this is gonna sell my fight dylan's like no i'm just obnoxious here i am love me or hate me and i respect that you know he's not putting on a show to sell a fight he's being who he is and we're talking about him and it's working when a fighter is cringy or obnoxious or knows how to sell a fight and they're good at it, you won't hear me say shit. You know what I mean? But when they start acting up and, and putting on shows is when I get upset. So that's why I like Dylan. You know what I mean? He backs it up on the ground. He's being developed properly. And he's authentically a douchebag. I love it. I'm all in. I'm ready to see his next fight. Now, something interesting that you said there made me think about Aaron Pico immediately. Oh. It's when you said that Dylan Dennis was giving the appropriate level of opponent. Now, someone who a lot of the critics are arguing should have been given, in this particular case, an appropriate level of an opponent, is when Aaron Pico basically got destroyed again. Another loss, four and three now in his MMA career. And I, I, I've got this question for you. Has Bellator actually dropped the ball on his career? Because... What this looks like, especially with two KOs on the bounce, that they aren't actually building him. They're almost destroying him. They're ruining him. Yeah. They're, they're ruining him. But who's they? Because 
I've heard two different things, Michael, and I'm so glad you brought this up because I've been doing my own research. I've, you know, me and Twitter, I've been hitting the Twitter fam and trying to figure this out. When I when I watched the fight, I was like, here we go again. Bellator giving this prospect, you know, another difficult fight. Why? And then, you know, I bitched about it on Twitter. And finally, one of my Twitter uh, people hit me up and said, oh, it's not Bellator. His team asked for hard competition. They fully believe that he can handle the savages in Bellator. So I'm unsure if it's Bellator's doing or is it just piss poor management? But either way, it's horrible. Because, you know, Michael, I get that he's really good at boxing. Like he's elite. It's not even really good. I take that back. He's elite. He's an elite wrestler and he's an elite amateur boxer boxing under the tutelage of Freddie Roach and he's Canelo's sparring partner. But what Bellator and his team does not realize is that he's not a mixed martial artist yet. He doesn't know how to mix it up. So give him the appropriate level of competition so that he can develop a fight IQ so that he knows when to change levels, take someone down or when to hit somebody with a nice body shot. Let the kid become a mixed martial artist. I think it was just a horrible idea to give him, um, what is his opponent's name? Adam Boric, 12-0? Mm. Come on. Come on. That's a killer. You don't give him Adam Boric, 12-0. Um, excuse me, before the fight, what was he, 11-0? And you give him an undefeated um, fighter? And then prior to that, Henry Corrales is a killer. Why would you do that to him? He's like, this poor kid hasn't even learned how to mix it up yet. He's just really good at boxing, and he's a really good wrestler. But he's he hasn't developed a mixed martial arts game. So the, the failure is either with Bellator or the team, but they're doing him a horrible job with developing him. And not, let's also discuss the fact that he's taking some hard shots, Michael. Like they could, he could be getting injured. What about what about concussions? What about the damage he's taking from these hard knockouts? Like, come on, man! I feel bad for the kid. He needs to take a break and reevaluate how they how they're going about this and bring down the competition. But I wonder if they if they give him appropriate competition, though, Michael, is that also going to make him look bad? You went from fighting savages, you couldn't cut it, so now they're giving you either cans or somebody a little less on your level. I don't think that looks good either. True, true. And hence the reason why you're right. I suppose his team would be thinking, you know what, we can't actually take a step down now considering where we've come and who we've come through. And uh, so not who we've come through, but who we've come up against, because one of the things people will complain, they're going to be like, oh, just a minute ago, you you were good enough to fight savages. And now, oh, look, now you need cans. You know, the people are going to talk, you know. Exactly, exactly. Uh, speaking of people talking, a lot of uh, people were given um, Coco the side eye with regards to the Horiguchi, um, well, who is now um, the Bellator champ. Now, he, I, I don't know, looking at this, looking at what um, has been achieved here, Horiguchi is now the Bellator champ. It, it mm-hmm. On the face of it, this hasn't been the best outcome for Bellator when you think about it, considering that Horiguchi is the rising champ. Yeah, I was thinking that at home because I was like, wow, like this is almost like kind of monumental. Like we need to make more of a stink, you know, noise about Horiguchi being a champ champ in two different organizations at the same time. That's kind of dope. And I think we need to clamor about that a bit more. But then I was like, well, what the hell are they going to do with him? Is it in the contract? Does he go back to Ryzen? Does he defend his belt here? Like, did they kind of, like, complicate things? 
you know what I mean? So I'm like, how do you defend that? And then go back to Japan and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, hats off to um, Haraguchi. He did a great job. And he's a, del- and he's a champ champ. But you see, then what do you do with Darian Caldwell? Yeah. And uh, I will say this, you know, I know you just said that people were side-eyeing Coker. I was side-eyeing Darian Caldwell, to be honest with you. I wasn't um, too impressed with his game plan. I feel like for someone his size that cuts down so much, maybe you shouldn't be so... I know he's a great wrestler, but the game plan to wrestle for five rounds was kind of nuts. And I really feel like he didn't really take advantage of being on top. He just kind of let Hiraguchi uh, use the fence to, you know, the cage to get back up. Excuse me, fence. The cage to get back up. And he didn't really do a lot of damage. And it's just, it was a lay and pray type of tactic. And I don't, I don't care for that. If you're going to, if you're going to take somebody down repeatedly, you have to do damage. You have to, to try to control them and do damage. You can't just control them. And Hiraguchi did more work than him. And he was on the bottom. You know, a lot of times. So I'm kind of side-eyeing his performance, especially being that he lost it to him already and risen with that guillotine choke. So I thought maybe things would be a bit different. But kudos to both. They went hard and whatnot. But I think the, the right person won, which is Hiraguchi. Now, that kind of like neatly puts us in place. What we've got coming this weekend, I have to say, from these shores is pretty historic. We've got a double header. One's going to be on Channel 5, the other is going to be on Sky Sports. Musashi versus Lovato Jr. and Daly versus Lima. I have to say, when they spoke about this originally, uh, it being the monster card, I had no idea that, you know, the card was going to be so phenomenal because usually in the UK we get a bum deal, whether it's, you know, the UFC or whether it's, um, I have to say, not so much Bellator, but it's more UFC. When UFC cards are put together, we tend to get a bum deal. I have to say, this is a card which is worthy to be placed anywhere else on the planet. It's not just something which they've just cobbled together, which will look okay in the UK. I think this is pretty decent. When you look top to bottom, there are matchups. So, which, you know, I have to say, in almost every single matchup, I'm interested in the outcome. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely. I I never go against Gregard Masasi. And I think uh, Rafael, undefeated, of course, that's always a dangerous person. And his uh, jiu-jitsu is world-class. And, and his hands are nice, too. But I just never go against Gregard. He has a ton of experience. And he's well-rounded. He's one of those dudes that's just good at everything. He's calm. He has composure. And the next thing you know, he's winning that fight. And like you have to kill him, you have to you have to put him down, you know what I mean? And he's relentless, so I'm not gonna put any money against him. That fight looks really good. Yes, Paul Daly and um, Eric Silva is gonna is gonna be great, you know. But I, I think as long as Paul doesn't try to wrestle again, we're gonna be all right, you know what I mean? I think Paul's left hand is gonna touch Silva, and I think Silva's gonna go down at some point. I just think Silva is a tough, tough dude, but I think Paul Daly's got this. All the way. Oh, 100%. I'm with you there. And Paul reassured me. He said laughingly that his wrestling days are over. For me, I'm glad that we get to see that left hook coming back. Now, you know, just on the subject of Paul Daly, one of his, I wouldn't say protégés, but he's someone who actually takes a lot of advice from um, Paul Daly. Nathan Grayson actually kicks off this card. Now, he's clashing Franz Malambo. Now, if you remember last time, Nathan Grayson is coming off the back of a loss. A lot of people 
when he um, well made his Bellator debut, given the caliber of um, where he'd been and given the caliber of who he'd come up against, I'd say all eyes were on Nathan Grayson. So I really do see this being a redemption story for Grayson, given what he's been through. I think he's um, I think he's going to be back to winning ways when he actually faces Franz Malambo um, this coming Saturday. I, I wouldn't mind actually just dwelling. From your point of view, if there are any standouts that you're looking forward to, because we're still on the prelim portion of the card. And like, like I say, Nathan Grayson actually kicks this off with Franz Malambo, but also on the prelim card, again, on the lower portion, which is just an incredible sight to see, is Galore Bufando. Now, I have to put my hands up and um, full disclosure here, Galore Bufando used to train me. Um, I used to train under Galore Bufando. So I've got somewhat of a bias here. Galore oh, Bufando actually okay. faces Kevin McCabe. Now, originally he was going to fight Richard Keeley or Richard Kiley. Now, Richard Kiley puts himself out there as the face of Bellator. But we all know that Galore Bufando is one kicking machine. He will axe kick your face off at 100 paces. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that matchup. Similarly, um, Alfie Davis, who is, again, a teammate of Galore Bufando. Alfie Davis, again, is famous for his axe kicks axe kick um, KOs, he's fighting or he's clashing Jorge Canella. Now, again, on the lower portion of the card, we ain't even midway through where we're going to see Terry Brazier fight Alessandro Botti. But on the lower portion of the card, I have to say those are the ones which catch my eye. Any that you're familiar with that you're going to be particularly keen to look out for? Yes, what I was doing my research, um, Denise Keholtz versus Byrony Terrell. Terrell, she's also in this episode of the Worldcast. Exactly. And also, I'm a huge fan of Denise. I think she's on the come up. I like her athleticism. I also follow her on Twitter and IG, so I'm intrigued. And I know that her and her boyfriend work out really hard together, and I think it's so cute. And I'm just, I'm tuned in. I'm intrigued, and I want to see what she, um, if she gets it done, you know. And um, I guess I'll be rooting for her. And I guess we might have a little rivalry here, being that, you know, Miss Terrell is from the UK. I'm going to have to go with the Netherlands on this one. Michael, don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but these, these prelims are, are, are definitely stacked. And I know that you mentioned that the gym that you have a bias to, these, these men that you speak of, what's with these killer leg kicks? Is this something that this uh, gym is known for and whatnot? Do you have the inside scoop? Because I noticed that the theme is uh, galore and these guys can kick like mules. I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's particularly um, a, a trait of the gym. What I would say is I trained with galore when he was at um, LDG at Lions Den Gym. Now he's come from a kickboxing background similar to Michael Page also from the same gym similar similar to Alfie Davis you see they've come from like traditional martial arts so that's why you're seeing the emphasis on kicks because you'll know yourself in kickboxing I mean that's 50% but also um, with the points karate again that's this emphasis on the kicks and the in and out movement and the hands down. But I wouldn't say it's particular, as I say, to the actual gym. It's more the individuals who have coalesced around that gym um, to basically form that fight team. 
Oh, nice. That's pretty awesome because it's so funny. One of my, again, Twitter saves the day. Someone actually tagged me on some footage of, I believe it was Galore. And he was like, check out this guy's leg kicks. And I was like, holy, holy shit. So when you said that, I was like, I remember him. Yes, and I look forward to that. I'm going to pay extra attention to these two gentlemen because I just I love strikers. You know, I don't mind wrestling and I, I love jujitsu, but there's just something about somebody that is just technical with the kicks and the punching. And I'm definitely going to pay attention to, to these two. So the UK got me on the on those. So I'm with y'all. Now, just just directly um, above Galore Bufando, uh Okay, it's not directly above, but on the same card. Charlie Ward, who he famously slammed on his head and uh, knocked him out when they were both in the UFC, he will be facing Justin Moore. Now, for me, I think, you know, just looking at this, this is about Charlie Ward, this fight. He's so personable. The fact is, he has got, like, um, a a massive personality, which, you know, is a fan favourite. But also... um, I, I'm I'm a little bit perplexed as to the placing on the card because above uh, or just before this actually goes to the Sky Sports broadcast, we've got Fabian Edwards. Now, I have to say Bellator have actually invested quite a lot in Fabian Edwards, but he's not even on any of the broadcast, um, whether it be Sky or whether it be Channel 5, because he is going to be on the um, Bellator app. Now, for me, they built him um, up to this level. They've invested quite a lot in him. I mean, basically, uh, Little Bird tells me that he has, well, he's one of the highest paid Bellator fighters on the UK um, aspect of um, signing to Bellator. And uh, it would just seem to me that they would want to get a bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Return on their investment. But I'm looking at seeing. I'm looking forward to seeing Fabian Edwards. I have to say, I've got to come clean. I'm not so enamoured with the fact that he's fighting Jonathan Basuku. I mean, really and truly, I'd never heard of Jonathan Basuku before yeah, um, he was put forward as an opponent. You know. Yeah, that's going to be, you know, the mystery fighter right there. Even um, on the website, they don't even have a picture for him up yet. So I, <laughs> I think it's, I think this one is, they're going to roll the dice on this one. But I do agree with you. If you're going to invest so much in a UK fighter like Fabian Edwards, why not, like you said, capitalize on your investment and um, give him more exposure? And sometimes I just don't understand some of the business behind the fight game. I'm not a businesswoman. I, I don't work in this uh type of field but i am kind of confused sometimes of like fight um placements um one person is on the app the other person is you know on cable it's just confusing to me but i totally agree with you that if you're going to put in such a quite an investment in fabian edwards get him out there do, do him some good and do uh, the company some good and get him some exposure get people talking you know what i mean so i don't understand these decisions but best of luck to him because he is fighting a mystery man that we don't know anything about. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. And it, it's funny you mentioned about, you know, how much Bellator have actually invested in um, their individual fighters. And I, I mentioned it earlier as well in terms of how much they've invested in Fabian. Because James Gallagher, they certainly have invested in. And Aaron Chalmers, they've certainly invested in. Now, whilst I'm, I'm really keen to see James Gallagher in what is, I would say, a really tasty matchup, something which I think is really going to push him, really going to test him against Jeremiah Labiano. 
Um, and I'm I, glad I'm glad you brought that up. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm mm. very familiar with James Gallagher, but I'm not with his opponent. What do you know about him, and what is he going to draw out of James? Because I actually tried to find footage of him, and I couldn't really find any. Maybe I was using the wrong app or the search engine, but I couldn't do my research on Jeremiah. So what's he like? Jeremiah is a robust and quite well-rounded fighter. They were supposed to have been matched up two fights ago. Now, I think it was because James sustained an injury. A lot of people um, are looking forward to this because not only is it a step up from his previous opponent, but they match up styles-wise very, very closely. So look for this to be one of the standout moments of the fight night if James actually gets through Jeremiah Labiano. Um, another person, as I mentioned, that I'm really, really looking forward to is Aaron Chalmers. Aaron Chalmers, as you know, is coming off a loss. And you'll know also, probably from previous podcasts where I've mentioned it, that Aaron Chalmers has famously um, succumbed or struggled with um, anxiety. So when you look at the fact that he's gone through a loss, when you look at the fact that you know he has come through a mental health journey, um, you, like me, hopefully will be wanting to see him get back to winning ways. But one, well, a few people who I know aren't are the legions of haters on Twitter. It's almost on a daily basis that I read some real spiteful comments, not just towards Aaron, but also towards James. They seem to be the most hated fighters on the, on the roster. I understand why James is hated, but again... We've, we've discussed this several times. The more of a character or a heel that you are, the more people get to talking. So I understand why, you know, Gallagher um, is getting all that type of attention. And he's, you know, he's kind of like a little bit of a showboat. He runs his mouth. He's like a, he's like a little Irish tough guy. I like him. You know what I mean? He puts on a show. And I think it's, again, I think it's authentic. This kid is, he believes in himself. He's got a loud mouth. He's just being James Gallagher. He's not acting, so it doesn't bother me. But Aaron Chalmers, I, I liked his story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see why he's so hated. And I just cannot stand when MMA fans just don't have patience or the empathy for somebody going through something. If this, if this uh, fighter is struggling with anxiety, and I do believe you all discussed this, Let's give him a chance to uh, get back in his winning ways and let's support the guy. And it's weird because, you know, you know how many people suffer from anxiety and probably can relate to him. So why tear him down if it's something that you can even understand? And his anxiety, I hate to compare his woes to somebody else's, but this guy's a fighter. Can you imagine the anxiety with the pay and having to deal with injuries and, and then the psychological, you know, the barriers and having to believe you're the best fighter in the world and then to deal with losses? Like, give the guy a break. You know what I, I just, I cannot stand that. I saw similar things with Tony Ferguson and his struggles. And then, you know, even Jessica I crying after her loss. People just go a little bit too hard on these on these people, especially during times where they're struggling. And I, I'm not with it. I'm not. As, mu as much shit as I talk on Twitter and as mean as I can be, which I can admit, I leave things like mental issues and anxiety and fighters going through it alone. So I'd much rather support Aaron than be one of those twerps being really mean to him. But James will be all right. You know, he runs his mouth. <laughs> I think he can handle the Twitter beast and whatnot. But I do enjoy watching um, him fight. Totally get that. One person who I missed out earlier um, as I was quickly cantering through. Um, as I say, there were so many or there are so many matchups that I just can't wait yeah. to see is Walter Gahadza versus Oliver Enkam. Again, on the show, um, Walter Gahadza 
for a long while was unbeaten. He's now 18 and three. He sustained three losses. And those three losses, as he uh, explained to me in his interview, basically were the defining moment in his career. And it was good to hear him speak so maturely about what his losses actually did for him. I think he's got a pretty um, easy ride with Oliver Enkamp. I don't really see Oliver giving him any problems. I don't really think he's on the same level. I do see um, Walter being levels above him. And it's not just because... Encamp is seven and two, and it's you know not just because Walter Hadza is eighteen and three. It's just levels. There are levels to this. I mean, speaking yeah. of levels, just to cap things off, it'll be great just to quickly run down the televised portion of the card and who we think is actually going to come up trumps. Um, the card actually starts off on Sky Sports over here. The Sky Sports broadcast um, features. Uh, James Gallagher versus Jeremiah Labiano. I'm going with James Gallagher. And I think it will be a second round submission. What do you think? Um, from what I'm hearing, I'm going to go with James. I don't know much about Jeremiah. I know more about James. And I know that James is one hell of a grappler. You know what I mean? I just was recently watching some of his past fights. And I'm quite impressed with his... Uh, rear naked chokes that's like his thing thing and i think he's gonna uh do it again that seems to be his bread and butter and his hands are nice too but his grappling is is uh it's up there it's pretty damn good so i'm gonna go with james 100 percent. paul daly versus eric silver i'm going with paul daly all day i do see this being a return to form for paul daly i see this ending in a brutal knockout if not the first definitely by the second Oh, I totally agree. I think either, uh, I think second round, because maybe even the third. I'm going to push it to the third round because what we're forgetting is that Eric Silva is tough. He doesn't go down easy. So although I think Paul got this in the bag, I think he's going to have to work a little bit. But I think he's eventually going to get it. So either late second round or early third round, Eric Silva is going to run out of, run out of it and Paul is going to knock him out. Now, the Channel 5 selection, um, the Channel 5 section of the card is now opening with Aaron Chalmers. Aaron Chalmers versus Fred Freeman. I have to admit, I've never heard of Fred Freeman. I think we all know what's going on here. He does need building. He does need boosting. He does need some way back to his um, past glory. And Fred Freeman will be it. I think we're looking at a very early knockout in the first round. Aaron Chalmers for the win here. Absolutely. Totally agree. First round, Aaron Chalmers. And I do, I don't know much about Fred either. Uh, I see this one-on-one record and um, they have no picture for him. So I think that's a bad sign. (laughs) On the website. (laughs) So I'm going to go with this bad picture omen. And I want to support Aaron Chalmers. I support anybody that is pushing through any type of issues, especially with anxiety and, and, and then still putting on a show and entertaining us. So I'm going to push for Aaron Chalmers to get the win and, and get that, you know, get that W under his belt and go about his day and feel good. You know, I'm going to fully support him on that. Now, this is one that we've not actually touched on and it's a pretty glaring uh, omission, I have to say, because it sees the return of Melvin Manhoof versus Kent Cuppenham. Now, when you look at this, you're probably thinking to yourself, who is Kent Cuppenham? Now, you might recall that Kent was the last person to knock out 
Alessio Saccara on his home turf in Italy. So I personally think that Kent seems to be on this start of a legend killing tour. And I really do think that I think that Melvin Manhoof is going to be succumbing to Kent's KO power. I'm going with Kent Carpenter. I'm going with Kent in the first round by knockout. Oh, man. I, 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 I want to agree with you, but I love Melvin Manahoff and I, I will not go against him, but I'm worried because it's like, which Melvin is going to show up? You know what I mean? Like, Melvin has some wear and tear on those bones. You know what I mean? Like, mm. he's, he's, he's an older fighter. Um, he's been around for a minute. To me, he's a legend. Those leg kicks and that fight with Robbie Lawler, I will never forget. You yeah. know what I mean? I thought yeah. Robbie was done for. And those leg kicks were hurting me. Like, front, on my couch, I was in immediate pain as if he was kicking me. And I will never forget that fight. And Melvin is just a beast. I'm just going to go with Melvin for old time's sake and hope he pulls it off. But I think Kent is going to get it. But I'm not, I'm not going against my man Melvin. I'm, I'm going to put my money on Melvin. I think I know which way you're going on the final uh, fight we're going to discuss. The middleweight world title main event between Gegard Mousasi and Rafael Lovato. I'm going with Gegard Mousasi, striking phenom, um, brutal KO power. We know that he seems to be relentless when it comes to pursuing a win. I just can't see. Although, you know, we are dealing with one of the slickest uh, jiu-jitsu black belts on the planet in Rafael Lovato, I just can't see um, Gegard Musasi. Um, well, I, I can't see Musasi going past the first round in this. I think it will be a first round KO, and Gegard Musasi will be uh, well bringing that belt back home. Oh, I'm uh, again. We totally agree. I think there's a theme with this card. I think, like, unfortunately, a lot of these fights, there's like kind of like almost like an obvious winner, and I think somebody is going to sneak up on us as far as our picks. But with this one, 100% correct. I don't think Rafael Lovato Jr. is there yet to take down somebody like Gregard Masasi yet. I think he's really good. He's undefeated. Like I said before, he's a um, jiu-jitsu ace, but I just don't think he has enough for Greyguard, who just has so much experience and his striking. Like you said, his striking is is impeccable. And he's just calm, cool, collective, and you can't sleep on his fight IQ. You know that? He's just, he's just that good. And I just don't think Raphael's ready for him just yet, even though he's, an up, you know, he's up and coming and he's pretty dope. He ain't got it for uh, Masasi yet, though. No. Indeed. And I think, let me predict a round. I'm going to be nice. I've been nice. The, the, the theme of me this episode is that I'm being nice. I'm going to go ahead and, <laughs> and give Raphael to round two. I think he's tougher than that. I think he'll make it out the first round. And that wraps up our look at Bellator London. I'll be on scene, actually, um, doing pre-fight interviews and post-fight interviews. So make sure you check out what's actually going down via our website, which is wotv.com. But Michael, you forgot something else that's going on this weekend, and I know you're just as excited about it. Artem Lobov and Paulie are going to have at it in that (laughs) bare-knuckle affair. We're forgetting... We're forgetting about that that mess that's coming up soon. I'm I'm start I'm starting to lose you. Um, this this telephone line is pretty bad. You know, I could have sworn you just said something along the lines of bare knuckle boxing. 
<laughs> yes, I did. Yes, just to just to grind on your nerves, I just had to remind you that this nonsense is coming up. I will have my illegal stream ready. Yes, I have no shame in saying that I'm not paying for this bullshit, but I am going I'm gonna tune in for the co-main because I'm a Chris Lieben fan and he looks spectacular in this savagery. Wow. Believe it or not. Wow. And then I'm gonna tune in to see no, he looks great. I wish he um was fighting in the UFC again. I don't know how far he'd go, but he, he really does look good in this um organization. I will I will say that. And secondly, I wanna I hope that Artem puts this to bed because I'm quite tired of their shenanigans with this whole rivalry and whatnot. So I am gonna tune in for this bullshit, but I hope that Artem ends this. I hope that he just enough because I can't take it anymore. If you think Henry's cringe, Paulie on the low is their leader. Like, that's it. He, he, he's the cringe god, and I'm over it. He's six and four. He will be opening up the Bellator London card alongside Nathan Grayson. It's a pleasure to welcome to this week's WOCast, for the first time, Franz the Black Mamba, Malambo. Yes. Welcome, Franz. Yes. How was things? You good? Not as good as you, my man. Not as good as you. It looks as though, I have to say, just looking online, just looking at what people are actually talking about, looking what people are um, most anticipating... I would say your fight with Nathan Grayson is one of the most eagerly anticipated fights of this card. But before we get into that, I think it's only right, because of our American listeners, it would be only right for Franz Malambo to break down where he's come from. So from what I understand, you are South African born and you are Dublin raised, right? Or should I say SBG raised? (laughs) Yeah, that's it, that's it. Um, yeah, no, so I moved over to um, Dublin, Ireland when I was like 11 from Johannesburg and uh, been here since then, you know what I mean? I'm 28 now, so I've been living in Ireland most of my life. But uh, yeah, I started in SBG. That's where I started my uh, MMA career and I've been there since with them about six years now. So uh, yeah, that's where I'm at with them. Now, let's just pause before we get on to SBG. You found yourself yeah. in Ireland. What was, yeah. what was it that made you resonate or what resonated uh, within you, within um, your spirit to actually move you towards combat sport? Um, well, like, that I've always, even when I was in South Africa, like, even when I was, when I was a young kid, I've always liked, uh, you know, physical combat. Like, I, I always used to watch um, martial art movies and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Jackie Chan... Uh, Bruce Lee, all that type of stuff, you know what I mean? So I, I was always into that. My first kind of idea when I was a kid was to be like a stuntman or an actor, an action star or something like that, you know what I mean? And obviously it changed and as it progressed, I got to... I started I started karate when I was like 10, then uh, moved on to boxing when I was like 15, did that for like five years and then finally found MMA, which is, uh, I think which is what I was building up to doing all the mother sports. So in finding MMA, you've obviously found a great home in SBG, Straight Blast Gym, headed by John Kavner. Now, I have to say, um, one of your famous sparring partners um, yeah. does seem to be the main, well, the main connection. When people think of Franz Malambo, they think of, Conor McGregor's sparring partner. How much of that irks you? How much of that makes you feel people yeah. need to recognise me as a fighter? 
Yeah, well, it doesn't really, like... It just kind of, like, I don't know, it's just kind of... Like, I, I I don't hear it as much anymore, you know what I mean? But um, people always used to ask me and stuff, like, oh, how was it like and all, but... It's, I've, I've just been sparring them for so long and all the rest of the other guys that it's just kind of been it's become normal obviously in the last like year or two I haven't been because he's moved up weights and stuff like that so it's kind of it's, it was a nice journey and all when it when it was all going down but it's it's kind of in the past now you know what I'm saying that I definitely hear um, well let's just talk about the present then because on Saturday as I mentioned Nathan Grayson versus Franz Malambo is literally the first fight on the card. And I personally feel right. I personally feel it's misplaced because a lot of yeah. people are talking about this matchup. A lot of people are anticipating this to be one of the spectacular fights of the night. Do you actually feel that from where you are? I mean, how active are you online? How often do you see the conversations that are going um, down? Like everything you're saying is absolutely new information to me. I don't even know it was the first fight. <laughs> so so that's uh that's 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 new information to me and it is actually pretty surprising like um uh like you were saying like i've I've heard like a few things a few comments here and there um and people are looking forward to this fight like it's supposed to be it's looking forward to be a look a good fight so i'm surprised bellator would put it on on the first fight like that you know what i mean um it's one to look out for, you know what I mean? I'm hearing good things about Nathan. I'm definitely uh, an exciting fighter. Um, you know, my record isn't as spectacular as I'd like it to be, but uh, I'm pretty accomplished from where I am. Like, So um, I'm, I'm surprised they'd put me so low down on the card. But, um, you know, I'm, uh, that's up to me then to prove uh, to prove myself and to um, to move ahead with the, with the company, you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. And, and, and uh, speaking of what people are saying, let's move on to what Nathan Grayson has said. Now, I should say, I should say, Franz, I think it would be a bit disingenuous of me not to volunteer this full disclaimer. Nathan Grayson's company, um, which he part owns, Violent Money, actually sponsors the show. But that should have no coloration on what's coming next. From what he said to me... <laughs> From what he said, to, <laughs> from what he said to me leading up to this fight, um, he feels that this is going to be his opportunity to make a statement to actually show people the level that he's at. Now, when you hear that, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but when you hear that, um, is this is this something which um, gets you motivated, or are you sufficiently motivated? You don't need anybody, not necessarily trash talking, but speaking their mind, giving you their thoughts ahead of the fight. Yeah, no, that's a fair thing to say, like, you know what I mean? And uh, I feel like for somebody to achieve that, I I'm a pretty uh, good opponent to do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it makes sense what he's saying. But it, yeah, it's, it's it's an exciting thing for me to hear as well, because you know what I mean? He's he's going in there to, uh, to to light some fireworks, and that's exactly what I'm planning on doing. So like, even at that, like even, even, even hearing him saying that to me and the way I'm feeling about the whole thing, it just makes it even a bigger fight, you know what I mean? So it's even it's even more of a mistake then on, on Bellator's account to put it on such a on such a low level of a guard, you know what I mean? 
I know exactly what you mean. As I say, I'm already sold on this fight being one of the fights of the night. This, this is basically just fireworks. But looking at what Nathan brings to the table, again, I might be slightly biased. I'm trying to remain as, as um, uh, balanced as I can be. But yeah. from what you've seen, wouldn't you agree that he brings some, um, well, some challenges to the table? And what do you see those challenges? What, what do you feel that they are? Like that's uh, to be honest with you, I don't know anything about Nathan Grayson. All I know about him is that he's a striker, and uh, he's a good striker, and uh, that's that's flipping good news to me. Like you know what I mean? But I don't really, I've never like, I don't really study in my opponents, um. So I've never actually seen him fight. I don't know what he does or what he's going to bring to the table. I just kind of prepare myself and uh, have him deal with what I have instead of the other way around. So um. I, I couldn't really tell you on the, on that account. And just finally then, I mean, how do you see this actually transpiring in terms of the win for you? Obviously, in your mind's eye, you see your hand being raised, but how exactly are you going to finish this fight? I mean, I take it you are going for a finish. Yeah, yeah, definitely I am. Like, um, I've been working a lot on my uh, on my groundwork, so submission. I'm, I'm happy with whatever comes, except for... Um, Obviously, I want to make a statement and not let it go to the judges. Um, that's my that the, the plan is not to let it go to the judges. But um, whether it's a submission or, or, or a TKO or a knockout or whatever, uh, I'm good with that. And um, I, I feel like that's that's what's coming. I know I did say it was going to be the last question. Uh, if you know me well, you know it never is the last question. Finally, <laughs> I'm intrigued. I know that. Um, you have been a mainstay of um, Brave for a while. Now, Brave are actually coming to London in July. Now, are you exclusively signed to Bellator or is it a case that you can chop and change between Brave and Bellator? What's the, what's the status of your deal? No, nah, no. Nah, my, my last fight, I had a, I had a fight there in, um, in December with Brave and that was my last one with them. So... I'm one with Bellator now, and uh, I have a few fights coming up. So yeah, I'm with them. Um, I'm actually trying to get like, obviously this is my first fight with them, uh, September in Dublin, and I- I'm really trying to get like three fights. I don't know if that's too ambitious before the end of the year because I'm I like being active. You know what I mean? The more active I am as a fighter, the the better I perform. You see what I'm saying? So. Um, that's what that's what I'm trying to do, but I'm, I'm definitely with Bellator now, yeah. Incredible. Well, I look forward to being cage side for this on Saturday. I personally can't wait for this. As I mentioned, this for me has fireworks written all over it. I'm sure it will not let you down. She's four and three, and this Saturday she meets Denise Kilhutz. It's a pleasure to welcome to this week's Wocast, Bryony Terrell. Bryony, how you doing? Hi, Michael. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm exceptionally well. Not bad. Not as not as good as yourself, having just stepped off a plane. You just come from Phuket. You've literally just come off the plane, right? Uh, yeah. Well, literally, I've, I've just got home, but I managed to get on the wrong train at Gatwick. Um, so the, the journey was a little bit longer than I expected. Uh, but yes, I did get back from uh, Phuket today. Now, you're obviously um, taking... Denise pretty seriously but I wouldn't mind actually rewinding ever so slightly 
just for our US listeners, because one of the most intriguing things I would say about you was as soon as I linked up with you in terms of social media, one of your posts was quite intriguing. And that was, I'm paraphrasing now, so correct me if I am totally up the wrong tree, but it said something along along the lines of um, last year I was counted out, but this year I'm on top of the world or words to that effect. Basically, somebody or someone or somebody had actually counted you out not actually giving you your due what's that what was that all about who are you talking about there um well to be honest it was it was a it was a couple of things really um it was after the cage warriors fight when i fought uh, molly mccann for the world title um there were people in my gym that that basically were saying you know you're too old you're too slow you can't compete at this level anymore um and i think it it wasn't just that it was the fact that i wasn't really being given um sort of big opportunities i i'd been offered um that particular fight was was in a fight it was a weight division above what i normally fight in on short notice so i don't think it was particularly fair to write me off on that but then i got this fight against the knees offered on a week's notice and just things like that so I felt like the industry had sort of written me off a little bit as well so I think both of those things together just just made it difficult to carry on I guess. Now that's a pretty big deal considering where you've come from no disrespect to cage warriors but I would have Bellator head and shoulders and definite step up when it comes to actual fight promotion. So whoever was writing you off, this must feel, feel really good to uh, look back at them and uh, basically give them the middle finger. <laughs> it, it does, actually, yeah. Get, getting this, this fight on, on Bellator with a full fight camp. This wasn't a short-notice fight. This was with a full eight-week fight camp as well. So it's a fair shot for me. Um, and it's what I always wanted. It's, it's, I just wanted, you know, that, that sort of opportunity on a big promotion like, like Bellator and, and just, you know, just to sort of live it and, uh, and, and get a, a fair shot, basically. Now, I, I take it that you've only just um, come out of your camp, but from what you've said, there does seem to be a bit of a backstory in terms of what you do on a day-to-day basis. Do you have like a chosen vacation? Is there something that you do that keeps you occupied nine to five? Oh, yes, I'm a nurse. That's my my, my career as a nurse. I'm in intensive care uh, trained and now I've moved into cancer care. So that's my nine to five job. Okay, so these people who you were... Um, basically giving a very not subliminal but overt message to would you I mean just to close that chapter is there anything that you want to leave by way of a message for them as they'll probably be listening to this as well um I I don't I don't like to sort of burn bridges with people but um I do want to to prove them wrong um and I hope on Saturday you know I can go out and I can give a, a performance that's worthy of of a show like Bellator and um, to be honest, I've, I've actually trained with different people for this camp, um, much higher level um, MMA fighters. So, yeah, I, um, I don't I don't want to say anything bad, but I do want to prove them wrong, basically. So where have you just come from? Is that Tiger Mutai or were you at Phuket top team? Where were you? Um, I was actually training with um, UFC fighter Johnny Walker oh. and his coach, Leo Gosling. 
um, they've uh, set up a gym out in in Thailand, which is uh, part of um, CMT Muay Thai. So it's just down the road from Tiger. So we we went and did some sparring sessions there, and we also trained at AKA quite a lot um, because they were based out there when they first went. So I, I yeah, I, I did sort of most of my training with them, and then we went round to the other top gyms out there. So I've had an absolutely fantastic training camp the last couple of weeks. So just break that down for me. You said that you were out with Johnny Walker. Now, Johnny Walker walks around, I'm guessing, at about 210, 220. So he's a lot bigger than you. When you say you were training with him, what, he was coaching you or he was actually sparring with you? Oh, well, we did We did a little bit of sort of like shark tank sparring. Um, but yeah, he's not actually sort of um, in fight camp at the moment anyway. And obviously he's much bigger than me. So he was... Um, more sort of we, we were training doing the cardio sort of stuff together and then when it came to sparring partners I went up to Tiger and AKA and sparred the sort of smaller guys and the female fighters there um, but as a team um, myself and Johnny and another Bellator fighter on the London card George Canella um, we were all training together like running upstairs and sprints and all that sort of thing um, so we all got together to do that. Now, I know you mentioned that you were sparring with men and I, and I know maybe this was a while back when um, I was at Lion's Den Gym with um, Khalid Ishmael. Now, I know when we used to spar with women, I personally didn't go as hard as I would, obviously going against men. Do you feel that or is it like are the gloves definitely off because you have got a fight camp? Uh, no, I find that sometimes with... Um, with less experienced men um, that that aren't pro fighters, they will, you know, you you hit them hard, and then or you'll catch them with a good shot, and they'll, you know, some sort of, you know, ego sort of uh, reaction, and then they'll really go for you. But I haven't found that with any of the pro fighters. They they're obviously um, holding back um, generally, which is why I do prefer to find the women to spar with because you really can sort of gauge your level then because they don't need to hold back and you can really just go for it incredible and i'm 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 guessing that's obviously the plan this coming saturday now denise kilhut is two and two when you i i imagine there was some prep for this in terms of looking at tape looking at previous matchups when you look at her previous performances i mean what do you see in terms of threats that will be posed come fight night well, I've I've followed um, Denise for for well most of my fight career anyway because she's a superb striker um, and I love the fact that she's not afraid to get in there and she beats people much bigger than her. She's I think she's classy and just you know brilliant as, as a striker. Um, I also know that she was on the Dutch uh, judo team, I believe, and a judo black belt. So. And she uses the hip throws quite a lot. So I know she's a threat uh, from the the judo throws and obviously the striking. But where I think I will have the advantage is the fact that I've done a lot more MMA fights and I tend to do better on the ground. So I I think she'll probably know that I want to get, get the fight to the ground. Now, I know we do have a pretty stacked card Am I overrigging this in thinking that you, just like 
many other female competitors feel you have to go that much harder to actually put on a performance, that much more crisp in terms of strikes, in terms of um, what you do on the ground as well, because you feel as though women, you know, aren't getting a fair shake at the stick, as it were. Do you feel as though this is, well, this is like this in Bellator, and do you feel that you're going to have to go that extra mile as well? Uh, I I definitely feel like I will need to to really put on a good performance because Bella um sorry Denise is obviously their kickboxing world champion so she's quite a star in Bellator already and she's sort of she's a lot younger than me she's she's very beautiful um whereas I'm you know a bit of a bit of an oldie who's um you know not really known to the Bellator sort of fans and stuff so I do feel like I need to prove myself I'm not I'm not sure if that's so much as being uh, a woman because I, I think Bellator have done quite well to promote the female fighters yeah. although I think Denise was meant to be on the main card and um, I feel like I might have dragged her down a bit I don't know but um, I, I, I do feel that I need to to really put on a good show so final question now you've obviously got a game plan ingrained in your mind ingrained in your head how do you see this actually going down on Saturday how do you see I take it you are going to be going for a finish but how do you see things transpiring when you actually meet Denise eye to eye oh well I I think I think she's going to be looking to well take me out on the feet obviously um and you know maybe to knock me out or TKO or something like that um I want to take her down um I'm particularly good in mount and on the back um so that's where i'm looking to go uh i i think i think she's gonna hit extremely hard i think it's you know it's not gonna be easy and i think she's gonna be powerful and strong but i do want to i want to take her back and i want to get a choke that's my plan incredible well we'll be in the winner's circle so hopefully we'll be seeing you there for your post by interview on saturday at Bellator London, he faces Oliver Enkamp. Welcome to the Worldcast, Walter Gahadza. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Actually, let's give you your full due. It's Walter the Sniper Gahadza. The Sniper. The Sniper, yeah. That's precise. The Sniper. <laughs> Speaking of precise, one of uh, the things which I wanted to kick off with is you have got an impressive record, 18-3. and three. I remember back in the early days, following your early career, way back when you were on UWC, Ultimate Warrior Challenge, down there in Essex, I used to make the journey on an almost monthly basis to come down and see you perform. When you look back on those early Proving Ground um, episodes, those days basically in Southend, in Essex, and when you look at where you are now, do you kind of pinch yourself and, and basically think that you've arrived? Um, yeah, the way I think it is, uh, it, it, the whole experience, like uh, coming up from UWC, which is obviously like uh, the, the start and, uh, and, and, you know, the roots of, of where the whole career started and, you know, it, it this is what we've been working for, you know. I've been working for for this moment from when I started uh, on, on UWC since 2011. So it's 
being a secret it's just been all hard work and, and experience you know and in getting the the whole uh, experience with the I mean look at the record is 18 and 3 you know it's it, there's a lot of experience in, in, in that record so I guess I guess I do pinch myself uh, starting on you know uh, uh, the, a local show where there's a lot of talent coming up as well from 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 the show and now into a major promotion uh, which is Bellator you know like which I say at one point is probably going to be one of the biggest shows uh, in the globe so yeah I guess so I guess I, I do pinch myself in a sense. And how have you actually dealt with people who, when you think about it, at, um, it was, if I remember rightly, it was AOL MMA 7. Yeah, Basically, yeah, that, yeah. that that's where you kind of like, kind of switched things up in terms of from there forward, you were basically looking at the the bigger leagues. But what do you say to people who look at the record up, of, up until then and they give you the side eye to say well you've been with the same promotion you've been fighting on the local scene perhaps many of those were gimme fights well I mean in every fight in this sport um, needs experience I think experience is is key regardless of um, you know how um, how well matched up you are with the opponent uh, uh, I guess uh, some people would say the record was padded and uh, to a certain extent I'd, I would agree as well but the most important thing was uh, again experience and and that's what's led me to, to, to this point you know it, it's getting experience on different shows as well uh, which which obviously helped with experience of dealing with you know uh, different different uh, uh, fans, different uh, uh, atmosphere. So, you know, the side eye, they they used to give me the side eye, but now they haven't got a choice now. They're, they're going to, they, I know they're watching. I know they're watching. And, and they have to pay, pay, pay real close attention to me now. And obviously after your last stint at... Um... I think it was, if I remember rightly, it was you versus Colin Fletcher. Now, that ended in the DQ, which gave you another victory. But following that, you sustained a loss to Nathan Jones. I think it was via split decision, if my memory serves me correctly. It was on the Duke uh, Duke Noir versus uh, Philpot card at Bama 27. Now, that loss, a lot of people I've spoken to, particular fighters, obviously, um, say they learn more in a loss than they do in a win. I mean, what did you actually take away from that as your first loss of your career? Uh, I took a hell of a lot uh, from from um, the, the the Giants. I mean, it was a it was a close fight. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I won the fight by any means. Um, I could have been better on the day, but uh, the the results on on paper say. Nathan beat me, so uh, uh, taking away from that is, I learned that, I learned a lot about myself, I learned, you know, in, in loads of different aspects, like, uh, 
you know, the work rate, um, dealing with uh, 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 a lot of pressure, uh, big arena, you know, especially, I think that's probably like a, the second arena I'd fought on uh, in a different country, which was uh, in Ireland, totally different atmosphere. And and that, that obviously brought me leaps and bounds, like, a split decision loss to Nathan then after that was a loss to Terry Brazier then after that was a loss to to Colin Fletcher again so um, it was three losses in the trot like, and I don't know many fighters that would be able to bounce back from from you know from from three losses in, in, in a row and that I learned a, a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, you know, what it really takes to 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 be able to compete at my best. You know, but the mo the the biggest the biggest le- lesson I learned was from the the freak show loss, which was the the second fight in the rematch. Um, you know, it's, it's that's what's got me here. like I think I think you need you need adversity you need uh, uh, losses to to get the best out of you as an MMA fire now you're right um there were three losses on the bounce I mean I'm saying you're right like like you wouldn't have remembered but one of the things which I'm, I'm kind of like keen to find out of those three losses, Nathan Jones, Terry Brazier and Colleen Fletcher, obviously they were hard losses to take. You took some lessons away, you say, but are there any of those losses, losses which you'd say, you know what, I want to revenge that because of said reason? Um, I mean, I mean, the, uh, revenge would be... I'd, I'd take it... Uh, in a different way, I, I'd say it actually brought the best out of me. Like, like uh, you know, uh, again, uh, taking these three losses, it, it taught me to, you know, to seek being uncomfortable. Like, uh, I've always looked to be uncomfortable. I always try and put myself in uncomfortable positions. You know, especially with the lead up to to uh, a fight. You know. It, I don't really look at it as a fight anymore. I look at it more as a as a night to to perform and show people that you know, especially the people that turn the side eye to me. You know, uh, I truly believe that I'm one of the best unfound railways in 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 the UK. And and soon enough, they they won't have a choice but to pay for things to me. Like you do, my man. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank thank you for those props. Like you always have, anyway. Well, thank you, bro. Well, put put it this way: in terms of uh, moving on from Colin Fletcher, one of the I would say um, wins that have really gone under the radar, and that is the Kent Carpenham win, because yeah. Kent Carpenham subsequently went on to knock out Alessio Sakara. Now, do you think there needs to be more store put? by that win, given the calibre that uh, we've subsequently seen from Kent Coppenham? I think people actually 
I think a lot of people, a lot of um, you know, uh, a lot of guys, they they look past uh, Ken Kaepernick. And if I look at it, I've, uh, when I took the fight um, with Ken, I, actually, I took the fight upon you know uh, serious uh, serious consideration because he's um, he's better than what people think he is. He he went out to knock out Alexis Sagara, which I saw coming, and it's not going to surprise me if he beats a Melvin Man Manhoof because he knows what he knows exactly what he's doing. He's a complete fire. Um, yeah, I mean the, the, the people need to show him uh, uh, the respect he's due. You know, he, he went in uh, to step in against Sakara, and not only did he beat him, but he finished him in brutal fashion and that could have been easily me because this is mma right it, it, it takes one one punch and you know everything could can change and um yeah that's like don't be surprised man, if he beats a uh, uh, melvin manor because i've actually got him uh, down to beat melvin manor and melvin manor is one of my all-time favorite fighters <laughs> wow now Obviously, on Bellator London, you're faced with Oliver Encamp. Now, that was a change of, of an opponent. To me, uh, it looks as though, just from my own personal point of view, that you've traded up. Oliver Encamp is a UFC vet. He's somebody of um, significant caliber. And I don't know, there's an old adage here. If you beat a UFC vet, then you're certainly UFC caliber. I know you're obviously fighting on... Bellator, but in terms of caliber, um, does this actually mean anything for you? This win, considering where Oliver has come from, um, I think I think every every fight they go with with a lot of um, consideration. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, regard myself as not only an athlete, uh, but as well as an MMA fighter. I mean, it, 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 I'm a competitor, and you know to be. Uh, Oliver Engkamp is is just you know it's just another. I don't think it feel any different. You know it's just you know it's just another uh, win to me. It's another chance to to perform and show show not only people but you know uh, the world that you know it, it's, I deserve to be there uh, with the top guys and certainly hang with the top guys. And I'm, I'm just glad that I, I'm able to show this to, to to the world, and and people actually, you know, starting to see the real uh, uh, sniper, especially after you know coming off the three losses, which brought me on from leaps and bounds. You know, uh, uh, managed to finish them, uh, uh, get two finishes on Bellator, uh one against Ken Calvin and ten and two. It was ten and two or ten and three at, at that point. Tough guy, uh, Ruben Crawford, who is heavily experienced, formed some big shows, for some tough, tough guys. Um, um, and I think he was actually down to 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 beat me, but uh, <laughs> it's different uh, on paper uh, when you're facing a, a guy like me. 
And just a final question, in terms of the run-up to this fight, I take it that you've done the usual camp of overseas and then back to Essex. Is that kind of like still the same routine? And if it is overseas, where exactly overseas are you actually training? I last, last camp I was uh, training with Russia with my, uh, with my training partners, uh, uh, Taiwan Claxton. He's a uh, 145 uh, prospect uh, in Bellator. I mean, soon enough, he's going to be um, holding that title. Uh, definitely up there. Um, I've been working in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So last camp, I worked there, and this camp, I went there again. And and uh, I kind of uh, uh, float and, and come and finish my camp uh, down here in, uh, in Essex. The TSG as well, and, and, and you know, Kind of uh, get back to my roots, you know. I'm always interested in how camps overseas actually blend or gel when the majority of your training takes place here. I mean, obviously, since I've known you, you've been under the tutelage of um, Anthony, uh, sorry, uh, Danny Bazotta. Now, the way that I look at it is, how do the two training camps communicate considering where you are in the States, and then coming back to Essex, how does that actually gel? Well, uh, it's, it's, I think it's, a, it's the whole journey of being in a mixed martial arts fight is finding um, what works for, for you as an as, as, as MMA fighter, as well as an athlete. Okay? You have to, to, to come up with a game plan. There's always a game plan, there's an A and a B. There's go-tos and, you know, there's things that you obviously don't go to. So, you know, it, I've, throughout the whole journey, I've managed to um, to take away what I need and, and what I don't need. Because, you know, it really and truly, there's a lot you can learn like, in all the different disciplines and aspects of MMA, but to be complete, complete MMA fighter, you need to learn to add and subtract to, to, to your game. So you know, there's, uh, there's certain things that I'm getting abroad that I'm actually managing to uh, add to my game, which is making me even more, even more deadlier. So... And just on that note, I did say that this was going to be my last question, but you know me well enough now. It never is the last question. I'm intrigued. How does how does Walter Gahadza finish Oliver Enkamp on June the 22nd at Wembley Arena? Um, in devastating fashion, I'll be. I, I feel um, I'm the superior athlete. I'm. Um, uh, I'm a, a, a very dangerous uh, fight for for anyone um, in, in my sides and I feel I will get Oliver out of there um, how you have to tune in to, uh, uh, to Bellator tune in on the app or uh, yeah tune in on the app and see me go to work Well, that was obviously a call to action for the discerning public, those listening, because I certainly will be cage side. It would be a pleasure 
to see what actually happens come June the 22nd. Thank you again, Walter, for joining me on this week's WOCast. And thank you, thank you for, for having me. Uh, I'd like to give a, obviously give a shout out to um, my teammate, uh, Tywan Clarkson, um, Neil Melenson, um, Danny Mazzara and all the other guys at, at THG, um, UWC, the guys coming up on UWC as well, um, in South End. So yeah, and I appreciate um, you uh, showing me love and Always, always supporting me, my man, and having my back. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of the Wocast. If you want to discuss or debate anything you've heard today, why not at me on Twitter? You can find me at MikeWoTV. TV.